Good morning, brothers and sisters. What a pleasure it is to be with you this morning to remember the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and to look into the Word of God. Um, Our task this morning is to cover the first 27 verses in John chapter 18. The Gospel of John chapter 18. Um, We're moving into new territory. We've, We've uh, over the last month, month and a half, we've covered the the school of Christ, let's call it, where, where Christ with, with his disciples in an intimate setting, and he was revealing to them instructions, uh, revealing to them things that they needed to know. Uh, he prayed for them, and now we are moving past that scene, and here we find ourselves in John chapter 18. Um, let's start reading from the word of God. Verse 1, and when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden into the which he had he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Jesus then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, withdrew it and smote the the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus said unto Peter, Put thy sword away into the the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captain of the officers of the Jews took Jesus, bound him, and led him away, led him away to Annas uh, first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. And Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews, that it is expedient that one man should die for the people. Then Simon Peter followed Jesus, uh, and did, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest, and uh, went, in, went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known to the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made free a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And the high priest asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. And Jesus answered, I spake openly, to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple. 
whether the whether Jews always resort, uh, whether the Jews always resort, and in secret I have said nothing. Why askest thou? Ask them which heard me. I have said unto them, Behold, they know what I said. And when he and when he had spoke had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if I ha if if well, why smitest smitest thou me? And Annas had sent him and bound him unto Caiaphas the high priest. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art thou art not thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it, and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being the kinsman whose ear Peter uh, cut off, uh, ears cut off, saith, Did I not see thee in the garden with him? Peter denied him again. Immediately the cock crew. Let's uh, look to the Lord for guidance as we look into his word. Our gracious Lord and our Father, we're so thankful for this portion of scripture. We just ask for your blessing upon it while we look into it. Father, give us eyes and ears of understanding to take in thy word, Father. Uh, bless us from it. Teach us, Father, using your Holy Spirit. Uh, we ask that it, he would be the teacher and we would be the students, Father. Uh, let nothing come from men. We thank you in our Savior's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So here we've come to a, 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 a peak, let's say. And uh, in, in reading through the Gospels, Christ says over and over, many times, my hour is not come. My hour is not come. My hour is not come. They try to stone him various times, and he escapes from the crowd using his power. Uh, he doesn't get taken by surprise. Uh, he is in complete control at all times. Uh, but we, we realize... Um, in chapter 13, when we started this, this entire upper room study, now before the Feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, right? So now it, it, it's changing. Now that the hour is here, and Christ is, is seeing the task that has to be completed, and here we enter into this scene. In, the, in this scene, could you imagine how tense it must have been? I, can, I mean, I can't imagine what Christ was going through, and through Scripture, we get a glimpse of, of, of what was going through his head, how he spoke to the Father in the garden, his interaction with his disciples. In verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words. These words are not just a couple of words. These words were the previous chapters from chapter 12 on. These words were full of, of blessing, full of foretelling events that are going to come. Uh, uh, it, it, these words included commandments to his disciples. His words included the example of, of worship, of washing each other's feet, of renewing, uh, regeneration. It spoke of, of the helper that was to come, the Holy Spirit, all these things that were revealed. It was uh, essentially Jesus teaching, praying, and now he is making himself ready to be the atonement for sin. He was going to sacrifice himself. Uh, and then the reason why I mentioned those things, those are part of the office of the priest. 
In the Old Testament, the high priest, that's what he would do. He would, he would teach, preach, and then he would pray and intercede for the people and he would offer sacrifice on their behalf. And lo, here we come to Jesus being now the priest that's going to offer himself. Having spoken these words, is going to go and enter into the wilderness. Enter into the wilderness for those final moments before they come and take them. Now there's uh, more detail given in the other three Gospels of the garden where he goes into. And for context sake, we're, for, for time's sake I should say, we're, we're not going to go into it. But the, the accounts are pretty familiar uh, to any person that, that's read some of the Gospels. Uh, of the accounts, the encounters that he had with his disciples, some of them falling asleep, he's pleading with them to stay, stay awake, observe, pray. Uh, he would be in his moment of agony where he would claim to the Abba Father. He would, he would, he would declare that title as intimate as a son has with the Father when he was praying, as he was beholding the cup that is before him. I want to take a look. Um, at, at an illustration of, of Christ's state as he's crossing over this brook. Who is Christ at this point? What is his position in this world? Um, I mean, right before all this happened, in chapter 12, when Christ entered into the city, it was a glorious scene as he would ride in the back of an ass and the people would go out and praise and, and lay out the palm branches and in chapter 12, they would say, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. This was just moments before this scene here where he's about to be betrayed. Here we see him declared as the King of Israel, yet he would be rejected, the rejected King, as he's going out into the wilderness to be rejected and to be betrayed. And you're saying, David, why, why are you saying that he's the rejected King? I mean, I'm not going to go into chapter 19's territory, whoever's covering it. But in verse 14, when he's presented before Pilate, he says to the people, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, crucify him. And Pilate would say, What shall I do with him? I, and they said, I shall, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered said, We have no king but Caesar. And here we see Christ in, in his, his lowest hour, he is rejected of the people and soon to be betrayed. I think it will be beneficial for us to look at an Old, time, Old Testament illustration of what Christ might have been going through. Uh, Christ being the son of David, the greater son of David. We could look at an example of David as he entered into a very similar situation, very similar state where power was, uh, he was rejected as king and now he was fleeing uh, his life for his life with his loyal servants and his lo and his mighty men going again through the same exact location geographically we're speaking about and again I'm not being fanciful here but there's scripture that links these two stories together and I think it'll be beneficial to consider that this morning keep in mind I'm keeping our mark here in 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 John chapter 18 obviously let's take a look at a few verses in Second Samuel chapter 15. And the scene here is that there's civil war, he's essentially, that broke out amongst the kingdom of Israel. And David uh, was uh, uh, betrayed by none other than his own son. And so it's his, in this case, it's Absalom. He took up cause against his father, turned the, heart, the hearts of the people, and crowned himself king. 
And let's let, let's just look into uh, three, a few verses just uh, for time's sake. Uh, let's look into verse 12 of chapter 15. 2 Samuel 15, verse 12. And Absalom sent over Ahithophel, the Gileanite, David's counselor, from, this, from his city even to Galoa, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, and the people increased continually with Absalom. And what a, what a sad state where the king was, was, was betrayed and, and, and the conspiracy went great and, and, and the numbers of Absalom waxed great. And David said unto all his servants that were with him in Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed and depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Skipping down to verse 23. And look at this. Look at the, the, where, where the king is and where his state is. And all the country wept aloud with a, with a loud voice. And the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook, the brook Kidron. And all the people passed over towards the way of the wilderness. And, and imagine this. That the king himself. He, he is, is, is in a state of weeping. He is crying. In verse 30, it says that the people wept, that he wept as he went up, ascending the Mount of Olives. His head was covered. He was barefoot, and he was in a humbled state for the cup that was before him, before the king. Realizing what happened, the hearts of the people were turned away from him. What can we observe from these two passages? Well, we could observe essentially that, I mean, there's, there's great differences between David and Christ. Uh, David... Was, was the earthly king of Israel. Christ is the, the king of the universe, essentially. Not reigning right now. Right now, he's still currently the rejected king. Here as we speak, uh, how when you approach somebody about Jesus Christ, if, if they have a, a fair view upon him, they'll say he was a good man, a good teacher. Most people take his name as a curse, and they'll immediately not want to be your friend or cut off discussion. Uh, he is overall rejected by the world um, and how we respond to the rejected king in that state is very important and my my prayer this morning is that everyone here knows him knows him as your personal savior the rejected king though he's not ruling in this in this in the current world where we live in he doesn't uh he hasn't taken his throne he has not come, as it was mentioned this morning, to judge, to set things right, and to take physical power. Uh, he is in heaven waiting. So who is ruling right now? Um, who's in, in control of this world? Well, there's this, uh, a couple of verses in, for example, there's a lot of verses in the New Testament, but look at this one. We're in times... Uh, we're in, this is Ephesians 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2 verse 1. We're in time past. He walked according to the course of this world. Amen. We walked, us that know the Savior. We walked. We're no, no longer doing this. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, is this prince, is it talking about Christ? Is it talking about God? Who's, this, who's a prince of the power of the air? Well, I, I tell you, it's the exact opposite. It's not Christ. It is the devil himself. He is the prince and the power of the air that is in control. He is the false king, let's say. He is the false king that uh, is temporarily 
in power. And here we see David fleeing, the true king, fleeing, rejected, and in mourning. And, and it's interesting study to see it, in these couple of chapters, I, I, I would encourage everybody to go and read the story and see the encounters of how people would react and how they would respond to this king. Now David, not, not looking for the favor of the king because of what he could do for them, for what he could grant them, for what they could gain from him, but no, but because their hearts are really with them, are the true servants, and the ones that aren't, their hearts are revealed immediately. And we're going to consider some of those people this morning in our story, uh, mainly Judas and Peter, how they react to the king. Uh, so in, in, in this, our story of Second of, uh, Samuel, there's an, a gentleman named Ahithophel. Ahithophel it, uh, once you could get past pronouncing his name, he was the counselor to none other than King David. He was a counselor, somebody that was, uh, David would, would describe him as somebody familiar to me, somebody that was an, a familiar acquaintance. And what does the, the, the story say about Ahithophel? Ahithophel was joined the false king in the conspiracy. And what was his response to David? What did Ahithophel want to do? Well, he obviously he rejected David as king. He turned unto uh, unto uh, Absalom, and then he would give counsel, right? And the counsel of Hithophel eventually would be defeated. But look in verse in, in chapter seventeen, where he would uh, advise Absalom: "I will arise, I will pursue, and I will come upon." I will make afraid. I'm sorry. I'm skipping and just it's giving words of what he will do. I will, I will make afraid and all the people that are with him will flee and I will smite the king only. Such a friend to David. Somebody that was familiar. Somebody that would counsel him. Somebody that David would share bread, have meals with and find confidence in him. He would look to kill, look to terrorize and look to smite the true king. Wow, it's, it's such a graphic uh, illustration of, of what's, what, what um, Ahithophel, in a sense, would, would become. Ahithophel is said to be David's Judas. It impacted King David so strongly that he would write about him uh, in, in the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 41, in verse 9, look what it says. Yea, mine own familiar friend. Mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat my bread, had lifted up his heel against me. I'm not making up these words. Who quoted this? Where did we hear this said? It was none other than Jesus Christ. None other than Christ when he was speaking to his disciples. And, and it was just a few uh, verses I mean, a book, um, chapters before in chapter 13. Look at verse 18. When he's speaking of the betrayer, he goes, I speak not all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth my bread had lifted his heel against me. What is, why, in, in, in Christ, what is the reason that he tells his disciples? Well, that they might believe that when it comes to happen, that their faith of the true disciples might be increased. Look at another verse in the book of Psalms of David. Again, when, when uh, this, this thing, this betrayal became so great. 
of, of Ahithophel. In Psalms chapter 54, in verse 12 it says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I come, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hateth me, did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, mine guide, mine acquaintance. We took, this is the, and this is the, per, the, the reason why I, I want to look into this. We took sweet counsel together and we walked unto the house of God in company. This is somebody that not only would accompany, that would counsel David, somebody that would, would be involved in worship with David as they would walk into the house of God. Somebody that betrayed him. Now let's go back to our story regarding Judas. This, this sad, sad story. And Judas is always a, a, a person that, that confused me as a young man and, and, and it would make me question why. Why Judas would do this? Was, did, he have, did he have an option? Did he have a choice? Right? Was he excluded from that, that beautiful promise, that beautiful verse that Christ would say in Second Peter 3.8, where it says that the, law, that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come uh, to, to um, repentance. Thank you, Malcolm. All should come to repentance. Is that verse is that verse excluded from people like Judas? Is that verse excluded from people like Pharaoh, from Ahithophel, from these people that would would rebel, that would that would harden their hearts, that would lift up their fists against the, their own Creator, and would not believe, and would choose not to believe, and God in His infinite mercy would turn, use them, use them, not the way that He would have desired. And, and, and we're going to look into this. They would, in a sense, uh, reject the Maker's uh, will towards their life and become uh, something of an offense. And God, in His infinite mercy, would use them as a vessel of wrath to show His glory. And, and as is stated in, in John chapter 13, when He would tell them, He would tell, I'm telling you these things that you might believe. Right? And, and this is discussed. This is. Uh, given as the key verse to understanding the book of John, as, as it's in the, the, end, the very end, these things I have written to you that you might believe. This is the evidence that John the Apostle is writing. And, and, and part of this evidence is Judas. So now let's, let's go back to chapter 18 and, and, and consider what Judas did. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. Judas was there present when Christ did all the teachings, when he said those beautiful words, when, when people would, would, would make the, the, the proclamation, no man hath spoken like this. There's nobody that's ever taught. Nobody has done these things. Nobody has said these things that Christ has said. And why did Judas do this? Well, it, it is revealed in Scripture that he had an issue with money. He, he was selfish and he would look for greed. Maybe Ahithophel thought that he could gain more power by betraying the king, and Judas would always have his hand in the money bag, and he would skim it. Not enough for the other disciples to know, but he would make himself rich. He would hear the words of Christ. In Mark chapter 8, and verse 34, when Christ would say, For what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? He was there when he would hear those words of the Savior. He would be there when Christ would say, I am the door. Come, enter to me. 
He's the way to salvation, the door to heaven. And yet, this man would betray Christ. He would take those, those pieces of silver and he would kiss the door of heaven as one of the signs. When he would go reveal who Christ was when he was betraying him, he would kiss the door of heaven and turn and go to an everlasting hell. Oh, friend, if you're here this morning and you're hearing the gospel for the hundredth time, and it's not, it's not knocking at your heart's door. I tell you, you can't hear the words of the Savior and not be changed. You can't hear the gospel and, and it not take an effect in your own life. For the conscience convicts you. And as these people, as the Pharaohs, as the Hithophels, as the Judases of the world, would hear the, the, the saving words of the Savior and reject it. And reject it. It has an effect on their souls, their very souls. Let's just uh, consider this, uh, consider some of the, um, th- this concept of hardening yourself to the Savior. Uh, Romans chapter 9. Here's a, a passage. Um, Romans chapter 9 and verse 22. Look what God's words say. And, and, and the study really begins, the, this portion begins in verse 14. Actually, let's read it in 14 for context's sake. What shall we say then? Is there, is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he said unto Moses, I will show mercy unto whom I will have mercy, and I will show compassion unto whom I have compassion. So that it is not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, uh, but God that showeth mercy. It is, it is God. There's no in unrighteousness amongst God. There's no, no uh, uh, evil uh, malice. Oh, evil will towards towards us. Look what it says in verse 22. What if God, willing to show his wrath, to make his power known, endured, endured. He's a long-suffering God. And how long did he endure Pharaoh? How long did he endure Hethophel? How long did he endure Judas? With much long-suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory unto the vessels of mercy, which he hath prepared unto glory. Uh, to illustrate this point, um, and I know we're, we're, we're going all over the scripture, or we're going, going all over the word, God's word, uh, but I think it's important to, to grasp this, to, to understand Judas, where he was, and why he failed. Uh, this concept of becoming a, a vessel, as, as described, we are all, as the hymn writer would say, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter and I am the clay. That illustration comes from Jeremiah chapter 18. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Chapter 18, verse 4, it says, this is a revelation that God spoke to Jeremiah. He says, go to the potter's house and I will speak to you. And Jeremiah went and he observed. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, which seemed good to the potter to make it. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, O Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. And here the image is is that this lump of clay was marred. Does the scripture say that the lump of clay was marred by the potter? Oh no. Oh no, the lump of clay gets marred by itself, by sin, by rebellion. 
And what does the, the scripture say about this lump of clay? Does it say that the potter grabbed this lump of clay and would disregard it? Cast it aside. It's no good. No good for the use of the potter. Oh no. It says that he would press on it. And he would use his hands. And he made another vessel. Another vessel that seemed good for the potter. Oh, I am so thankful this morning that the Lord does not dis- discard people like you and me, people who are marred in the hands of the potter. But what are some properties of this clay? If the clump of clay itself would not be, not submit itself to the, to the hand of the maker, to the, the hand of the potter, it becomes harder and it becomes harder and it becomes harder. Just as Judas would see great signs and miracles, he would see the blind receive sight, he would see the lame to walk, he would hear the beautiful words of the Savior and go unchanged, unbelieving. And he would get harder and harder and harder till we read those sad words when Jesus Christ would tell him, what you do, do quickly. As the devil was essentially given permission to take a hold of Judas and he would go out and the verse would say it was night. It was dark. He would go out into an utter darkness and Judas, in his, his, his pitiful estate, uh, would, would seem uh, remorseful at the very end. But it was too late. He would go and he would hang himself as, a, as the same as Ahithophel did. Ahithophel's counsel was, was defeated. It says that he, went, he set his house in order and he went and he hung himself. What a pitiful end. What a sad end to a vessel to a lump of clay that would rebel against the maker, against the potter, and not yield to his own will. Yield to become a vessel of mercy, to become something beautiful that the master could use. Oh, brothers and sisters, let there not be a Judas amongst our crowd this morning. Let us submit to the hand of the maker. As David would write, my times are in thine hands in the Psalms. He would say, day and night, thine hand was heavy upon me. The Savior, uh, David went through a harsh, harsh time. And, and he, he was a man after God's own heart, regardless of the horrible sins he committed. And he would submit himself to the hand of the potter, not letting himself become this lump of clay to reject the, the maker's hand. And so that is the sad story of the, the Judas and Ahithophel. Now let's go on to Peter. Does Peter have the same, this, this, the same uh, uh, result regarding the Savior? Oh, Peter. He would, he would declare, Thou art the anointed one. When he's talking about Christ, Thou art the Messiah. And he, the Spirit would reveal things, great things to him. But nonetheless, he was a, a, a he was a rough man. He was called Peter because he, he needed to be he needed to be trimmed. He needed to be uh, uh, perfected so that the, the the Christ that the Savior could use him. And in in this case, he would he would look to defend Jesus Christ using force, using his own might, thinking that he is going to stop the will of God. In a sense, he almost jeopardizes. Uh, and God w- wouldn't allow it. He almost jeopardizes the promises that were made. 
in the previous, the previous chapters, of the ones that were given to Christ, none. He would lose none. Imagine if he would have grabbed that sword. Perhaps he was trying to strike the man's head off and missed. He only got his ear. And Christ would rebuke him. In, others, in, a, in other accounts of the gospel, he would say, Peter, don't you know that I could call upon my father and he will send 12 legions of angels at my command? But Peter, what does he say? The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Shall I not drink it? And he would go and heal the, 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 the servant's ear. And he would, in a sense, he, he would, uh, Christ would be in control and he would give himself to be that offering, that sin offering, our Passover lamb. For this is, this is the Passover feast. I don't know if, if you've caught that. It said it multiple times. It was a time when the Passover lamb was to be crucified. And here is Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, prepared for that sacrifice. And the, the, even, even in this time where, where Christ gives himself, and I know uh, we sing a lot, of, a lot of hymns, beautiful, a victim led, right? Uh, a victim is, is somebody that, that's paying for a crime, that, that, that's part of, of some kind of uh, bad incident, and they were a victim. They didn't deserve it in a sense, but Christ is no helpless victim. I hope you understand that. Christ was not there uh, not out, out of his own will that he was taken in manacles by force. And scripture reveals that when they would call him and his words would push him back. He would reveal his power. And maybe he was doing this just to make sure, hey, these that are with me, let them go. You're looking for me. And the band of soldiers would obey. They would obey. Christ would say, no man take it from me when he's talking about his, his life. I lay it down freely. He picks up that cup and he would drink it willingly as he was in the garden, as he would tell his, his, his father, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. If it's at all possible, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he would get up and he would go straight to the cross, knowing that it was the only way to save the likes of someone like you and I. Oh, Peter, 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 how he, he would have the desire to please the Savior, have the desire to defend the Savior. Oh, how foolish it was to do things out of his own will and not out of the ultimate will of God the Savior. If we go back and we don't have time, there was a gentleman named Abishai. He was one of David's mighty men. It's listed in, in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Beautiful story. And he was one of David's mighty men. When he was coming out in their lowest state, there was this man named Shimea. They would come out and he would curse the king. He would throw rocks and kick sand to the king, this worthless scoundrel. And he would curse the king. And Abishai would say to the king, King, let me take off his head, for he has cursed the Lord's anointed. Oh, the attitude of Peter was like that. And David would go on to rebuke him. For, for David had sinned and he would, he would see this as coming from God and he would take this as punishment. No, God will restore me if he's there cursing me because God has allowed it. The cup that is before me, shall I not take it? And he, he would rebuke his mighty man. And in the way back, once the false king was defeated, 
and he's coming back to reclaim his throne, the same scenario happens. And he says, surely this man shall be put to death. And the, the beautiful words of David concerning this worthless scoundrel named Shimei, he will say, he shall not be put to death. His sin will not be imputed. And before we're too harsh on Shimei, isn't that where we were? We were at enmity with God. We were rebellion. We cursed the name of God. And God would not impute our sin once we've relented and once we've repented. Uh, And who knows? Maybe that was what inspired David to write those words in this psalm, which are uh, reiterated by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4. When it says, Even as David described, Blessed is the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those uh, whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And David kept his promise to this worthless scoundrel. Whether he was saved or not, that's a discussion for another sermon. But he was not put to death on behalf of David. And here Peter looking to, to, in his mind, to protect his master, actually commits folly. And in his sense, when he says that, that, uh, uh, that they're going to arrest me, when Christ is revealing that he's going to be taken, and he says, though none, that all shall depart from you, Lord, I will not forsake you. And that's when Christ will give him this word, Peter, you shall deny me three times, thrice. And it happens. It, it's happening before Peter, and he, maybe he realizes it after the third time when it's too late. Oh, God. It, it, brothers and sisters, is this the end of Peter? Did Peter falter? Did he not believe the word of God? Do you falter? Does the believer's faith falter at times? Do we fail? Are we lost because of it? Was Peter lost? Oh, brother and sister, I'm so glad that my Bible would go on to share when Peter was reconciled, when he was restored. And, and, and the Savior's precious words, uh, you can look them up in Luke, where, where Jesus Christ would be his intercessor, he would be his high priest, and he would tell Peter, Satan has desired to sift thy soul, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. I tell you, brother and sister, my salvation is not dependent upon my faith, but it's dependent on my high priest, that he ever lives to make intercession for us, that he will save those to the uttermost. Christ, it would say of Christ, our our high priest in, in Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter uh, 7 and verse 25. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For our salvation is dependent on Christ and Christ alone, on his sacrifice. Our salvation is dependent on him interceding for us. For when we fail, there's our high priest praying for us. He sacrificed himself for us. And Peter would be restored. He would not be lost. And he would become a vessel of mercy. He would be used great, greatly of God. He would submit himself to the hand of the potter and become something beautiful that God can use.
Oh, brother and sister, as we consider these two individuals, let us be warned by the Judases, by the Ahithophels, by the Pharaohs. Pharaoh himself would, would say that, that he hardened himself, I will not let thy people go. And, 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 and he would tell Moses, no, I don't know your God. Why should I let your people go? And scripture would say that God just sifted his, his drew his, his breath from him and killed him and, and took the people into the wilderness. Oh no, that's not what the Bible says. It says that the God, the God, the creator of heaven and earth would reason. He says, oh, you don't know who I am? I'm going to give you evidence of who I am. He would show him signs and wonders. And harden, Pharaoh would harden his heart. Oh, my magicians could do these things. Oh, can he now? He would do, give him some more evidence. And it would get to a point where his own counselors would testify, this is the finger of God. And hard Pharaoh would keep hardening his heart. Let us not be like those individuals, but let us be like the Pauls, the Peters, that were at, at Paul would say that he was a man full of zeal and he would look to persecute the church for he thought he was doing the right thing and he, lo and behold, he met a huge piece of evidence on the road. Whom art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And Paul would take himself and submit himself to that individual. He would become the great Apostle Paul, the one that wrote most of our New Testament, the one uh, who was called to be a disciple, uh, 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 an apostle unto the Gentiles, to whom a countless millions have been saved by his, his, his um, writings. Praise the Lord for vessels of mercy. Our prayer this morning is that we would submit ourselves to the hands of the potter. Let us close this meeting in a word of prayer. Our gracious Lord and our Father, we're so thankful for thy grace Thy mercy. We're so thankful that you are long-suffering. You're so patient. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, Father, we're so thankful for the people that are redeemed here this morning. We could cry aloud with a voice saying, Praise be to God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who hath redeemed us, who has saved us, who has purchased us from this market of sin. We ask, Father, that, the, that this, your gospel would go out that people would take it in, that their hearts may not be hardened, that the lump of clay might still be useful in the potter's hands. We pray for this congregation as we depart, for your blessing upon them. It is in our Savior's name we pray. Amen.